Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this episode, Managing Editor Brian Gorman interviews Brad Deitzer, President and CEO of Deitzer, on how to reshape a corporate culture given the level of disruption experienced by employees now returning to the workplace. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. I'm Brian Gorman, Managing Editor, and our guest today is Brad Deitzer, author of Leading Clarity, the Breakthrough Strategy to Unleash People, Profit, and Performance. Brad is the founder, president, and CEO of Deitzer Clarity Institute, an award-winning management consulting firm that works with leaders to create great companies inside and out. Comprised of social scientists, artists, and business consultants, Deitzer restores organizational clarity through a unique and customized approach. Brad's the visionary behind the company and guides its leadership practice. He is a trusted counselor and executive coach, as well as a leadership creative strategist for CEOs, board chairs, and top corporate management. His unique insight and approach to organizational clarity has transformed many prominent educational, healthcare, energy, business, private equity, and cause-based organizations. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you. I want to begin with actually a quote from your website, because I'd like to understand a little bit more about the Institute before we dive into uh, our, our conversation today. On the homepage of your website, it says, this is leadership and organizational learning fundamentally rethought. Deitzer Clarity Institute marries science with play in a uniquely immersive and interactive way that is designed to spur individuals, leaders, and teams toward the best version of themselves. Where did, where did this come from? You know, there's a lot of people who ask me that same question and uh, people walk into our institute and uh, they, they say, this is Willy Wonka land for business. It's, it's, it's for leaders. And, you know, when, when we wrote the book, Leading Clarity, when I, when I wrote it, um, we got a lot of feedback. How do you bring some of these things to life? And um, how do I, how do I bring my team through this, not just through exercises on paper or, or, or different tactile things, but how do we do it? And so it really spurred this creation of the Institute. And uh, the Deitzer Clarity Institute was, was birthed with the idea that we could create a space and we could create exercises and engagements that are fundamentally different. And so the space, like I said, Willy Wonka land for business on the ceiling, on the floors, Everything is an exercise, flashing lights, music, movement. Um, and we intentionally bring science and creativity and marry it in a very human way to, to bring creative stimuli to overstimulate the leader's brain so that we allow for creativity, openness, more open dialogue to, to find that truer version of ourselves. Fascinating. You've come out with a number of guides around bringing organizations back to life, if you will. That's where I'd really like to, to focus our conversation today. In one of them, you write, leaders are searching for answers on reentry and how to position 
the company and set up the employees for immediate and long-term success. There will be endless tips on health and well-being for your employees. Health and safety practices are givens and your priority. After the safety and health priorities, it is a new world. Enter it with open eyes and see the opportunity ahead. You have a chance to create, reimagine, mold, and create an intentional future. This is a really unusual time for leaders. No leader has ever been through a period of time like this. When we think back, you know, some people equate it to 9-11 and going back to the workforce. But our experiences with that were really dependent on where you lived. So many people, it was an ease back. This has impacted all of us. And one of the things that we are seeing right now, we're seeing it in a huge way, is people say, I just want to get back. What can I do to create that bridge to help me get back today? And that's where more mistakes, in our opinion, are being made and going to be made. The conversation isn't about how do I get back? Because what we do today is going to dictate what our future culture, how we interact is going to be. So what we're really doing when we go back to work, we've all been away. And even essential workers, the workforce hasn't all been back. So we're entering into a new company, a brand new company. Yes, we did it at home. Yes, we're selling the same product services. But the fact is, the environment is different. And so when we come back into the workplace, it is so critical not to think about it as a short-term action, but a re-engagement and a re-articulation of who we are and setting up the runway for the future. So what you're really talking about, I think, is the importance of leaders and the change practitioners that support them intentionally reshaping the culture of the organization that was. Whether it's reshaping or we want to use other words, but this is a moment of change. So it doesn't matter as a change practitioner, as a leader, this is our moment. This is our moment to define the organization that we need it to be. People are going to go back and say, oh, well, I want, I I used to be this, or I used to be able to go in the refrigerator, or I used to be, we used to meet like this. There's going to be a lot of used tos. But the reality is, is that when we go back into the organization, we might come back on a staggered system. We might be there part of the day. There's all different kind of inputs that are being implemented. People who are involved in change. One of the great lessons is we must tether our organization to its foundation, its cultural foundation. This is the moment to rearticulate what our values are, what our behaviors are. Because what we know from years of research in this space is when we're able to tether to a base and give people an anchor point from a cultural perspective, they're willing to give us a lot of leeway in terms of where we go strategically with the company, the decisions we make. As long as my quote unquote cheese hasn't been moved, I'm okay. So this is the moment from a change perspective that gives us the opportunity as leaders to say, this is the company. This is how we are going to define it for today, tomorrow, going forward. Will it continue to evolve? Absolutely. 
but I would really challenge leaders to not think about this as the moment to get back. Because if, if you think about it, Brian, when we just give people, we just say, hey, we just want you back. What are we telling them? Performance doesn't really matter. Hey, any bad habits or anxieties that we have, they're there for all of us. Those things can grow into things that become unwanted behaviors. So this is the moment for us to enter with a defined perspective of who we are, who we need to be, and give people a pathway. Set the expectation of what we expect from a behavior, a cultural, how we're going to interact with each other. It's interesting. I was just reading an article in the New York Times today that focused on Salesforce and talked about their workspaces and their offices that had really been created to almost make employees feel like they were at home. Great casual lounge spaces and big farm tables in the kitchen, you know, for people to sit around in the kitchen. And I forget whether it was jars of jelly beans or gummy bears or something like that all over the place. And they said, all of that has to go. Well, and, and, that, and that makes sense, obviously. And they said, you know, it now becomes a much more regimented environment in terms of marking out social distancing in the elevator and waiting for the elevator and putting up barriers between workspaces that used to be open and really limiting the number of people in conference rooms and meeting rooms and so forth. Given that level of physical and psychological disruption for employees who are returning, how do you add on top of that, reshaping the, the culture in a healthful way? I, I kind of think they go hand in hand in a, in a lot of ways. The barriers that are being placed there are physical barriers. The human interactions are going to be more than people have had because they're in the same space physically. There's an energy they share but they're not going to be the same as what they were. And our view is that when you are intentional about really humanizing that culture, taking our values and not just as one words, but phrases, definitions, giving behavioral examples of what they stand for, what they look like, adding a set of behavioral competencies, things that are habits that exist in the workplace. It creates more commonality. And so the more that we can create definition around that culture, that becomes the new jelly beans. You know, that becomes the new open meeting spaces. We have some of the most unique offices, maybe anywhere in the country. We have invested in that. We create office spaces. We create environments in which people can interact I have my fighting wall of snacks with 12 different uh, containers that you, you, you spin and food comes out of. We have so many different things to bring people together. And it pains me greatly that we can't use the space as it was once designed. But we can use the space in different ways. We can find creative uses for that open space that gives people a chance to smile, gives people a chance to interact, even if it is at a distance, even if it is. We have to be so much more cognizant in our own offices. There's the 10-5 rule that some people in the service industry use. 10 feet away, we acknowledge people with a smile, a wave, and five feet away, 
we have some type of verbal exchange. The reality is in offices, we're used to passing each other by, maybe looking up, maybe on our phones, maybe doing different things. We just have to find ways that 10-5 probably goes to 12-6, you know? So we just have to broaden out a little bit. It doesn't change the smile. It doesn't change the gesture. We will tell people, <clears throat> I always tell people, one of my, my favorite things when we talk about creating connections, find new ways to create those connections in a workforce, in a workplace that seems disjointed. One way we do that is by saying, think about consciously adding 15 seconds to every conversation. All right, 15 seconds. It seems silly. You know, most of us don't have the time, so we text fine, good. But 15 seconds in a conversation is 30 to 35 words. You know, putting a face on people, it's not just my coworker. Putting, looking at them is who they are or looking at them as a dear friend and thinking about the exchange that you have with them. You know, I want to, I want to eliminate why from the workforce. I know Simon Sinek has done incredibly well with why. So I'm not disputing that. But what I want to challenge leaders is, is not to ask their employees why. Eliminate that from the leadership dialogue and have the conversation about help me understand. Can you explain a little bit more? We eliminate barriers. So there's just some things that we're going to do different in the workplace. We're going to be more personal and, and, and try to connect even at a distance. One of the things that you talk about quite a bit in your guides is that if leaders are to be successful in re opening, recreating, reshaping the workspace. They need to be trusted. Can you talk some about what it takes for a leader to earn that level of trust and, and why that's even important? Let's start with why it's important. I think that trust is the ball game. Before COVID, before the unrest that our country has and our world has, has experienced over the last period of time, there was a growing issue inside organizations that we call psychological safety. There was an imbalance of fear versus trust, employee voice, employee empowerment. And so there was growing fear and lots of reasons in different organizations for that fear. And what we know is that the antidote in organizations to fear is trust. So that's the core of psychological safety. And when we think about a psychologically safe environment, it's one that has high trust. It is one that values employee voice and is genuinely focused on employee engagement. And engagement doesn't mean just talking to you. It's with you. It's having a conversation. And so the concept today, fast forward after COVID after or during COVID, um, with all that's going on, people are inherently walking into the space saying, I don't trust anybody. I'm worried about my coworker who I've worked with for years, you know? And so whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there are these questions that are filling our brains, some that have just been programmed by being away from each other now that we're re-entering even at a distance. And so there's a lack of trust that is inherent, that is natural. So it's incumbent upon the leader to begin to build that trust. And that trust, we believe, is not simply communicating to people. It's communicating with. It's being vulnerable. So many leaders are unwilling to say that they just don't know. But the reality is in private, leaders just don't know. We just don't know when COVID is going to end. We just don't know 
how societal, political forces are going to change things that will impact our businesses. So when leaders become vulnerable, when they become open to the fact that they don't have to have the answers and they do have to have a real conversation, a real dialogue, it's the beginning of that trust. You know, one of the things that we tell leaders and, and so many leaders want to send memos right now, send emails to people. I'll send an email out. I said, well, why don't you want to talk to them on video? Why don't you want to do a town hall where they can see you and they can interact and ask questions? Well, they may ask me something that I don't have the answer to. So precisely, be human. Let them know you're just like them. But we say to them, if you are going to write a memo, if you're going to write an email, do us a favor. Start the email by saying, dear mom. Write the email to your mom. Write it. Finish it. Go back, read it. How will mom accept this? If mom accepts it, delete mom and then write to your workforce. That's one of the ways that we can get emotion, create connection by being more human. I mean, our whole practice, our whole reason for being is about a human approach to organizational change. That's what Deitzer is all about. Organizational change, leadership change, and it's that human approach. So that trust, that vulnerability starts with being honest, with being truthful, with being open, with being real, and with really working to connect. You mentioned anchors before and a change management review with published articles and, and um, webinars, and we actually have an anchors toolkit. In your guides, you talk about retethering tech anchors. Could you talk a little bit about that now? Right. Absolutely. So the idea of retethering is really pretty critical to our practice. Because when you think about tethering, it's connecting to a firm foundation and there's another support point. So there's, there, there's a tension and there's a tension that exists in the workforce today. And so when we talk about tethering, we go to our concept of the organizational box. So we think about being inside the box, outside the box, you know, you an inside the box thinker. Most people raise their hands, I'm an outside the box thinker. But our research for 30 years proves that actually it's inside the box thinking that drives performance, creativity, and innovation in an organization. The box is a six-sided box. Direction, operations, people, engagement are the sides. The top is the environment and the bottom is the organizational identity. When we talk about tethering, we believe that one of the most critical tether points today is to our organizational identity. It doesn't matter if you are a startup company, if you're a hundred plus year old company, if you're a publicly traded company, it doesn't matter who you are. Going back and reevaluating the bottom of your box. What is our purpose? Why do we exist? What are our organizational characteristics? In other words, what makes us unique and distinct? What was true about us before? What's true today? What must be true in the future? No matter what else changes, what must be true? Our values. Most organizations have a set of values, but they are simply a set of words. They are really not shared beliefs that guide us, that are aspirational. And so what we encourage people to do is to go back and study that. Look at the traditions that define your organization. And that really forms that cultural DNA. The most successful organizations that do it, they tell me, we know what our purpose is. I said, great, do me a favor. Let me ask your workforce five questions, just five. Let's see what happens. And one of the questions is, hey, workforce, tell me what your purpose is. And in an organization, in an average organization of 100 people, when we ask 100 people to list five things, 
we get somewhere between 150 and 250 unique responses on average, high performing. These are not broken organizations. These are high, high performing organizations, yet people don't have clarity around the purpose. So when we talk about tethering, it's tethering to that DNA, that culture, the organizational identity on the bottom. Or on the top, it's tethering to the fact that the environment is changing. The consumer psyche is changing. The consumer needs are changing. And so trying to find tether points to both of those creates that tension that really defines our workplace. And our view is, and our work proves, that if we really have that strong anchor point at the bottom, at the foundation of our box, we are going to be okay, regardless of the fluctuations and where we need to go. Brad, what else is important as we move toward wrapping this up? Two things, I think. One is we we hear a lot the idea that we are products of our environment. And I am big on creating incredible environments for people. But the reality is, is that while the environment is important, we can't access the environment the same way. So what is important is the power of expectation, setting expectations for people, giving them something to shoot for individually, collectively. That unifies being clear on what that is. So we're not products of our environment. We're products of our expectations. So that would be one point. And then the last point that I would make is this is an incredible opportunity to affect meaningful, lasting change, not just on your front line of your workforce, but at every layer, at every level of your organization. Take this moment, and we have guides that we're happy to share, complimentary guides. Take this moment to reorient every single employee when they come back. Pretend that it's their first day. Create a 30-day plan before they come back and the communications that you're going to have with them 30, 30 days before, kind of like you enter kindergarten, give them that same pathway. We're going to communicate with you. We're going to show you what it looks like. When they're there, welcome them, handwritten notes, welcome them with expectations, welcome them with a rearticulation of your cultural framework, your DNA, set the expectations of what you can and will be going forward not what you were before. Sounds like you want to make the workplace human again. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. I've loved being part of this. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review podcast with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review, and Brad Deitzer. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.